We are in part 10 of our Called by God series through the book of 1 Timothy, line by line. And I entitled today's message, Bad Teachers, Bad Truth. We're going to be talking a little bit through Paul instructing Timothy on what happens when bad, false teachers disperse terrible information. What if people are leading us astray? How does that work in the church? Is that still a thing? Yeah, it's still a thing. How do we guard against it? How do we know what they were going through and maybe how we could know what we're going through and guard against that and prepare for it? Now, I want to begin by drawing your attention in a moment to the fill in the blank. But let me begin with these concepts. Do you know that we serve a communicating God? A communicating God. Does God really communicate to his people? He does. Otherwise, you would not have the Bible, right? As a matter of fact, from the very beginning, God was communicating. How do we know that? How did he create the world? In the beginning, he said, let there be light. Even the agency of his communication was communication right? I mean, just his creation was communication. When it refers to Jesus Christ being that agent, they referred to Jesus Christ as the word. We serve a God that does not hide from mankind. We serve a God who communicates his will to his people. And too many of us are living lives in silence, not believing that God still speaks today, but he does. Now, obviously, the anchor of our truth is in the Word of God because that's something we can analyze and pour over and cross-reference. And we use that kind of as a baseline that, that whatever revelation God's giving to us will never contradict what He said before. So we match it up against Scripture. And I want you to know that we have a very high view of Scripture at Bridgeway. I actually wrote this down. I want to read it because I want to be very accurate and clear and say it the same way in every service. And it's this. We here at Bridgeway believe the initial autographs that the authors of the Bible wrote to be infallible and inerrant. We believe the Bible we have today is true and reliable and are the words of God. But we are also clear that Scripture teaches that God has said more in the past than was written down, and He is still speaking. The Bible is not exhaustive. Now, here's the thing. We believe the Bible is absolutely true, but the Bible itself says Jesus did so many things that are not contained in these books. If we were to write down all the stuff that he did, all the books in the world would never contain what Jesus Christ has done. That's only one period of Christian history. How much more stuff is not recorded, right? So all this stuff is recorded, and it's recorded for our benefit, and it's recorded as examples, but God has done so much more outside a simple few accounts. In the same way, God is still communicating and active and alive today. God did not just suddenly go mute at the close of the canon of Scripture. God did not suddenly go, oh, they got everything. They don't need any more of me. No, no, no. The only way that we are even moving forward is because God is still talking to his people. Now, I believe in prophecy. I believe that prophecy is real. How, how, it's works, how it works and how it's supposed to be. Is there an office of a prophet and all that stuff? That actually is something that I'm going to be talking through in the Supernatural series that we're doing on Sunday evenings. 
So if you get a chance, the Supernatural series of 2017, if you get a chance to listen to that, that would be very helpful to your spirit. But I really encourage those of you that have not got a chance to be a part of that. There's a lot of us that are coming to that thing, right? So on uh, Sunday evenings at 6.30 to 8.30, you'd be able to hear a little bit more about that. But that is one of the weeks that we're going to be covering. Now, I do want to say this. Prophecy is real because we have a communicating God. God wants us to know things about His nature. He wants us to know things about His works. But as long as God's been talking, the enemy's been talking, right? In the beginning was the Word. Right there in the Garden of Eden, it says God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He was telling them beautiful things in their spirit. But who else was in the garden? Here comes the snake, right? The snake comes up and says, hey, I got some things I want to share with you. And he starts communicating. That is, of course, the devil. He's communicating to Eve and he's giving her ideas. You know what? I think God may be holding out on you that that there's this tree here and it says that it's for the knowledge of good and evil. Who doesn't want to know more stuff? I mean, this is really good for wisdom. I, and really, God's just nervous, right? He doesn't want you to know what he knows, and so he questions the goodness of God. And so in other words, they've had truth and lies presented from the very beginning. That never stopped. There's been truth and lies flying through our world, flying through our churches, flying through our heads ever since, yeah? Yeah. I mean, most of the time, when you ever are trying to hear God or you're in prayer time, do you not have the same challenge of going, wait a second, who's talking here? Is this like God? Is this the enemy? Is this just my mind going ballistic? Like, who is talking to me? What are all these thoughts coming from, right? There's always been false truth. Jesus calls the devil the father of lies. Why? Because his number one trick is deception. He gives you a little bit of truth and a whole lot of lie. He mixes the whole thing in there so you don't really have any idea what kind of pill you're swallowing, right? Hmm. But he's not alone. He has a bunch of people that are working on his behalf. Either they're puppets, as in false teachers, or else they're literally demons moving around producing lies. They're trying to get you to believe something that is not true. Why is it so important to deceive Because the power of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he did all the important stuff. We just need to believe it. How do we get saved? Through faith. So where does he need to attack? At faith level, at belief level. So he needs to move through deception. So we've always had false teachers around. Now, they've been increasingly more and more and more throughout the years. And we're going to find out why here in a moment. But there's really two groups of false teachers that I want to highlight out. The first group is what I call as good-hearted, misled false teachers. Good-hearted, misled false teachers. These are people that are actually really cool. They're really, really nice. They're sweet-hearted people. They got into it for all the right reasons. They're in ministry. They love people. They're really nice. But somehow they've been given bogus information. And either they've been taught it from someone and didn't bother to examine it themselves and they just keep going out and promoting it everywhere they go, or they received a revelation idea, didn't bother to check it back against Scripture, and they just went off with it and started teaching it everywhere. They are really good-hearted. They're nice people, 
But the stuff, the content, and what they're promoting is garbage. Is that real? Yeah, that's really happening, right? All the time, there's stuff that's distorted. But they're not the only group. There's another group. The other group are the people that know full well they're promoting lies. And they're completely good with it. They're coming in and they're deceiving on purpose. And here's why. They come into the church or religious environment and they said, man, religion has such an awesome opportunity to manipulate. And they look at it as a business deal. And they come in and use us for their gain. Are people really like that? Yeah, they really are. Well, here at Bridgeway, we teach a lot, do we not? Come on. I mean, really, we have the longest sermons ever. I mean, we're, we're the, we're the, not only do we have that, but it's like midweek, we are constantly teaching, 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 teaching. So how are we supposed to figure out whether or not our teachings are going the right direction or they're going the wrong direction? Because we're just people, right? So we error can get into our stuff too. And if somebody comes in and they said, well, I'm a good teacher and, and they have all the knowledge and sometimes they get to lead something. What if they're bogus? I mean, how do we make sure that we're all right? That's the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. Our teaching must align with God at all times. Our teaching must align with God at all times. I'm a huge stickler about the Bible and accuracy and truth. And so everything that gets sent out or promoted out, I'm always looking through that same lens. Is it legit? Is it legit? Is it legit? I'm so paranoid that I'm going to become one of those really nice, good-hearted people that teach bogus information, right? I'm always scared I'm going to be that guy. So everything I prepare, I over-prepare. I do so much research and cross-checking and grabbing commentary that disagree with me and I'm always trying to hash out things so that I don't share lies, right? I mean, this is what we're supposed to do. It's part of what you're trusting me to do. We take it very seriously here that we would promote the truth of God. I know you placing your hearts in my hands and your minds in my hands is a very high responsibility. And I never want to dishonor you in that. But there's also, this is the same reason why I teach on false teachers and I teach on stuff because I don't want you to ever fall prey if I fall prey to it. You understand what I mean? In other words, I'm going to try to equip you and blow up any opportunity for a leader here to manipulate you. I don't like that. So we'll talk about it openly and honestly. That's how I'd want you to treat me. Yeah? All right. Let's dive into God's word, shall we? First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. First Timothy chapter four verse one starts with kind of a pretty heavy statement pretty heavy i think for all of our hearts starts like this paul's talking to timothy his protege in ephesus he said now the spirit you see that in your bibles is that spirit capitalized in your bible oh that's a holy spirit now the holy spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. The Holy Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. That's a pretty heavy sentence, yeah? 
the Holy Spirit saying it. It's got to be legit. The Holy Spirit expressly says, where, where does the Holy Spirit expressly say that? That some people were going to fall away. Is Paul like quoting scripture? Is that what he's, y'all know Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, right? Everybody know that? Okay, well, if you didn't know that, let me share it with you. Second Peter one twenty one. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There you go. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Through whom? Human authors. Okay, so you get their stylus, their style in there. You get their personalities in there. That's why all the writing is different. But who is the one behind the scenes? It's always the Holy Spirit. Is that what Paul's doing? Is he quoting scripture? Well, he's certainly probably not quoting the New Testament. Why? Because he wrote it. Right? So he wrote 13 books of the New Testament at least. So he wrote the majority of that. And you go, well, maybe he was quoting the Gospels. Nope. He wrote before the Gospels were written. So Paul actually, his stuff was written down probably before the four Gospel authors wrote down. So he's not quoting the New Testament. Is he quoting the Old Testament? Well, maybe. Did the Holy Spirit write the Old Testament? Oh, yeah. Did he say anything about people falling away in the later times? He did. He did. So possibly Paul's referring to the Old Testament. You go, okay, that's cool. He does that a lot. Here's the weird thing about it. In Greek, it says the Holy Spirit expressly says. That is in the present tense. That means the Holy Spirit's still saying it. So if he was quoting the Old Testament, he would have said, and the Holy Spirit has said these words. He didn't. He says he is communicating that out to his people right here, right now. Paul's talking about prophecy. All right. What did the Holy Spirit say? He said, in the later times, some will depart from the faith. Later times. What's later times? You're talking about like last days? Yep. And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I know this one. This is the one that has all the scary movies. This is the one that's like, it's the end of the world, the end of days. This is the one where, you know, everybody's head's getting cut off and there's like all kinds of crazy Mark of the Beast, Antichrist stuff. Yeah, 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 I know all that stuff. That's like the tribulation stuff. Is that what he's talking about? Mm, Not really. Kind of. I love when the Bible finally says some things that are easy. Here we go. We're going to walk into an easy one. Paul is a Jew. Yeah. So Paul operates from a Jewish mindset. Here's the Jewish mindset. All of time is divided into two sections. I love that. Let's just make everything easier. There's before the Messiah and after the Messiah. Ta-da! Before the Messiah is, ooh, everything's really, really hard. We're preparing for him to come. But when he comes, man, he is going to wreak havoc. He is going to shake heavens. He's going to rock the earth. There's going to be massive battles with the enemy. He's going to set up his kingdom. And everything's going to be awesome after he shows up. So you either have before the Messiah or you have the last days. Anything post-Messiah's arrival is the later days and you're like oh wait a second well we believe jesus came now you got to remember the jews do not orthodox judaism is still waiting for the messiah to show up the first time so they're still in that prep phase saying everything's bad because he hasn't shown up yet here's what they missed at least in our opinion yeah (laughs) we're all we're all christians so we kind of think that yep 
He already showed up. And when he showed up, he said, hey, Jews, you missed it. If you would have looked at the Old Testament properly, if you would have looked at books like Isaiah and 53, if you would have looked at these things, you would have known that I'm actually coming in stages. I was going to show up and I was going to do a revolution of a kingdom of God. I was going to do something that was silent, a revolution of the heart that I was here to be able to tell you that I'm going to wreck heaven and earth, but I'm going to do it in such a subtle way that it's going to win the hearts of the people. And when I do it, if you would have read it, you would have known that I was first going to come as a suffering servant. I had to die for the sins of the people. That was way more important than me establishing a physical kingdom. So I would have had to die as part of that. And I know that's not what you thought. But I'm coming back. And when I come back, all that stuff that you longed for, all that stuff that you were hoping for, yep, that's when I'm going to bring it. But they didn't see the big old gap, which now has been lasting for about 2,000 years. They didn't see the big old gap in the middle. In the last days, what does he say? Some will depart from the faith. That's the word apostasy. And what it means is someone that is walking towards God, someone that is in the church, someone that is professing to be a believer turns and walks away and denies the whole entire thing says i don't want anything to do with god and then begins to use it for their own personal gain is that really going to happen oh yeah it's been happening for thousands of years does it still happen today yes you go oh are you talking about losing your salvation like people that are christians are then going to fall away and that the devil's going to take away their salvation is that what you're saying no that's not what i'm saying whether or not there is an ability to lose your salvation is a debate for another time. That is not what's being taught in this passage. You're going to find out why. It's going to talk about some current things that were going on and leading people astray that were never legit in the first place. Here's what it's referring to. People that either had good intentions were walking towards the Lord but as we learn from the parable of the sower, the guy sowed seeds and before the seed ever got a chance to take root. You remember that? What happened? The bird comes flying in. Then the seed, before it got a chance to ever burst apart and grow into something powerful, it got choked out and beat down and it gave up. That's what it's talking about. You go, so what does that mean for us? Well, let me share this with you. Y'all realize that everybody in church is not a believer. I know that's kind of a weird concept for some of you. When I talk about revival, where God comes and just wrecks lives and brings people alive and they, they suddenly just know Jesus in a fresh way, when I talk about revival, I'm first looking for a revival in the church. Then we can go outside, <laughs> right? But we need one in the church because we need everybody that is here to be with us. Because can you imagine if all of us are locked and loaded in the Holy Spirit, completely bought into who Jesus is and what he's done for us. If we allowed his identity to be ours, we are unstoppable. There are, as a collective family here at Bridgeway, there are thousands of us that can mobilize and transform the entire region. We need a revival.
because not everybody in church is here for the right reasons. We all go to church for some really weird reasons, right? Sometimes it's like, well, that's what my parents did, or that's just kind of the thing that we do, or I just really badly need friends, or Bridgeway has all the good-looking girls, that kind of stuff. There's weird reasons why people come to church. We need to be here for the right reasons, locked in, because if we are not, we fall prey very easily to bad teaching and bad leaders, and they can completely mess with our heads. How will they turn away? That's where things get kind of yucky. Let's look at the last part of verse 1. They'll fall away by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. How's it going to get to us? Verse 2. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Teachings of demons, that's kind of heavy. Teachings of demons, you mean like, like real demons? Like, like beings, supernatural beings, spiritual beings? Yep, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Here's what's interesting. We always like to think that all the bad teaching out there, all the different multiple religions and all this other stuff out there, we like to think that it's all because some knucklehead somewhere came up with a dumb idea and wanted to start their own thing. And we're like, man, that's pretty brilliant. Because if you start a movement that lasts for thousands of years and involves millions of people, you're pretty brilliant. Can we all agree on that? Because, I mean, there's been a lot of religions that tried to start up and they just crashed and burned really fast, right? I mean, we think about the Heaven's Gate cult. That didn't go so well right? If you're going to launch a cold, probably don't have everyone kill themselves. That doesn't start out well, right? Kind of, kind of caps the, uh, anyway. All right. (laughs) We're not seeing a lot of growth. (laughs) Good point. I always like to look out and I'm like, man, I don't even know what's going on. Whether this person really had an experience with the supernatural and didn't know how to interpret it. I don't know whether or not they were good guys or whatever. All I'm saying is that they started promoting this bogus stuff, and wow, it really took. That's an ignorant view. Why? Really? People are that brilliant? No, they're not. They're just puppets. Who really knows how to start a false religion? That would be Satan. He's the brilliant one. Everyone else is just getting used. So we look out and we try to attack and crucify all the teachers. Oh, you're the one that's causing all the problems. You're missing the root. The root of the problem is Satan and his fallen angels. That's the root of the problem. If you really want to get mad about your family members getting led astray into all kinds of garbage, you need to be praying for the attack at the root and quit trying to hit all the symptoms on top. Now, it's got to come through some teachers, and like I said, it's either the doctrine of demons is either going to come through well-meaning people that are just kind of stupid, or it's going to come through people that know full well what they're doing, and they're the deceitful liars, they're the ones that are putting on a mask, they're the ones trying to fleece the flock, they're the ones trying to take advantage of us. Are there people like that out there? There are. Now, there are, how in the world do they do that? There are great people on TV, there are great people on the radio, and there are bogus people on TV and bogus people on the radio. And I only use them because that's probably how you would get in contact with them, right? There are people on TV that are shysters, that are flat out bogus, and they're taking cash from people. So let's just walk through this real quick, just as human beings. How do you do that? Now, maybe you just don't love people, which I don't even really understand. 
because I wasn't built that way. I was built to love people. I understand being misled, but when you full well know that what you're selling is garbage and you are willing to look through the TV into the eyes of an older woman that is on a pension, a very limited stipend, and you tell her you need to buy my bogus stuff so that you will be blessed and she gives you a hundred dollars she doesn't even have and you got no problem cashing that and putting it into your mercedes you're telling me that that how do you do that how is that all right with you how do you not just feel horrific on the inside Hmm. look at the what the bible says through the insincerity of liars whose what consciences are seared they're not feeling bad why either they're justifying it or quite frankly you're just someone to be used consciences are seared one of the things i wrote about in the master's mind was consciences you know what a conscience is it's your moral alarm you set it yourself or your parents set it for you it's a human construct that really goes off when we feel like we're doing something wrong we have a morality base that that has been put upon us or we bought into and so when we do something wrong it fires off let me give you an example let's say that you're you're a kid you're walking through the grocery store and you know you want candy you ain't got any money so what are you going to do? You walk through and you see the candy bar that you really, really want, and in comes the temptation. You're like, you know what? I'm going to take it. No one's going to see me. You slip that into your pocket. The minute you slip that into your pocket, what happens? An alarm goes off. Right? And it's going, whoa, 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 whoa. You are not a thief. What are you doing? This is not okay. You didn't pay for that. You're ripping off this establishment. This is how they make their living, and you're harming them. Well, what do you do if you really want the candy bar? You hit snooze on the alarm. It shuts it off. So you go walking on out of the store, and then when you get around the corner, you're going to open up the candy bar, right? And if it's a true snooze alarm, 11 minutes later, it goes off again right so it goes off again that same irritating sound and you're like man what is going on it's like you can't eat that this is like blood money right this is this is you can't have this candy bar this is not a good legit candy bar you didn't pay for this right and so you're like oh guilt 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 well of course you really want the candy bar so you hit snooze and you eat the candy bar well then later on that day you're laying down in bed you got a little bit of a stomach ache and you're reflecting back on that and going, man, that's, that is kind of messed up because now the candy bar is all gone. Now I'm not getting any benefit from this. And now I'm feeling guilty about it. There goes that sound again. Well, you realize this sound's going to keep going off and it's super irritating. So I either hit the snooze and have to deal with it again 11 minutes later, or I grab the clock and slam it against the wall. Now it ain't going to go off anymore. At least now we have peace and quiet. That is a seared conscience. Have any of us got seared areas of our conscience? Of course you do. How do you know that? Because you've been doing the same habitual sin for the last 15 years. And you're telling me that you can do that with a fresh conscience? No way. No, you can't. You're not going to live with that kind of alarm going off in your head. You're going to shut it down. And you're going to quash it. 
these teachers that full-on know what they're doing don't even carry a whole lot of guilt. Why? Because they got no alarms going off in their head. Hey, I don't care how old that lady is. I don't care how poor that lady is. A hundred bucks is a hundred bucks. That's in my tank. That's a win for me. That wickedness is not all right. Right? Look at verse 3. What did these teachers do? Well, in Paul's day, they had very specific teachings that were bogus. And they were messing with people in the weirdest ways. Like, back then it was normal, but when we read it now, we're like, those are dumb. Right? Here we go. Verse 3. These lying, conscience-seared false teachers forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Okay, so who are these people? Well, there was three general groups that Paul had to wrestle with in the early church. Three bogus teams. The first one were called the Gnostics. G-N-O-S, Gnos in Greek means knowledge. They believed that the way to get to a higher plane was to get secret mysterious knowledge. But part of what they also bought into was a Greek view that all physical matter, your bodies, the stuff around you, is all evil. The only thing that matters is spirit. So you deny yourself. It doesn't matter what you do in the body. It doesn't matter. All this other stuff, all that does is take away from your spirit. It's all yucky. The second group is what I would call spiritual ascetics. And these are the people that say, I'm in a religious system where I can make God love me more and give me more power by doing things to my body and withdrawing from things. This is what you would think of as like the super extreme misled monks where they're out going, oh, for a really, really long time. And they're hanging out on the edge of the cliff. So if they lose their balance, they plummet to their death. I mean, they're the ones that are whipping themselves and beating themselves. That crew says everything that is in your body is wrecking you. So you need to push away from everything in the world. And then you have the third group. These are the religion plus Jesus people. So in other words, the Orthodox Jewish people said you needed to follow laws to get next to God. They said, well, we got Jesus, but just to cover our bases, we also should do all that right stuff. And so they have Jesus and a stack of rules and regulations. So Paul was battling these three groups all the time in the church. The way that some of them came out is they forbid people to get married. Why would you forbid people to get married? Why do you care if I'm married or not? Control. Either they were misled themselves and really believed this stuff and they didn't want you to be hurt and so they became controlling or they realized in a religious system they will have more control as long as they make you feel guilty. Do you realize that religion is very manipulative? They would forbid marriage because here's their view. You, why do you need that? That's all for passion anyway. That's all for your, that's all for your flesh. Like you want to go hang out and be married to somebody else for what reason? What? So you get distracted from God? Is that your issue? Why don't you just want to be focused on the Lord? Why do you need to have somebody else in your life? The more you have other relationships in your life, the more you're not focusing on Jesus, right? And let's look at the evidence. Yeah, Jesus was single. Paul was single. They're the ones that are legit. So if you want to be legit, I think you need to get divorced right now. And that was being taught. Leave your spouse 
and dedicate yourself to God. It's ripping apart marriages. Paul was like, what are you doing? Stop. We know that's not right. How do we know that? Because of the word of God. God said to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. Marriage is supposed to be a blessing. Marriage is supposed to be a help. Marriage is supposed to be an awesome thing. God didn't say it was evil. You made that up. And then it says they also required abstinence from certain foods. Either that means they were the ones saying, you still got to be kosher. God hates pigs. You know, that kind of thing, right? Can't eat bacon, can't eat pork, can't do any of that stuff. You got to have the rules and regulations, right? They may have been talking about that, or they may have been those Christians that are like, you can't eat that meat. Where'd you buy that? Did you buy that in the market? That's demon meat. You can't eat demon meat. You know that. That is food sacrificed to idols. You can't eat that stuff. And the whole time you're paranoid. What am I eating? What am I eating? What am I eating? Right? These people are going around going, don't do this. Don't touch that. Don't say this. Don't do that. Right? All the time. And Paul says, no, Christ set us free. Man, in our Bibles, Jesus said, I'm clearing all these foods. Quit playing the game. See, before in the old covenant, I was trying to give you a way to obey me. And so I said, these foods are legit. These foods are not legit. But when I came and died for all that, I changed the system. That's not our system anymore. Quit thinking that somehow what you ingest makes you holy or not holy. That's absurd. Whatever you eat is going to come right back out your body. So quit thinking that that's somehow how you're going to be spiritual. It's just food, right? I mean, it's true. Some sodas like Dr. Pepper are more holy than other sodas. I understand. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I don't want to mislead you. All right. He said this, for everything created by God is good. How do we know that? Because he said so. <laughs> and God created the heavens and the earth, and he looked around and he said it was good. There you go. And nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. What does that mean? It means that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, when you do it for the glory of God, it suddenly isn't about eating and drinking anymore. Now it's a worship act. Why? Because when you get a meal across from you and you say, Lord, the idea that I even have food today is only because of you. All of a sudden, the glory rises, right? Lord, the idea that I have a variety of food today, that I'm not eating the same porridge that I ate yesterday, can only be from you, Lord, and glory rises. It's no longer simply having a meal. When you're putting God into the mix, it's an act of worship. And he's going, we're all good. Something made holy simply means it's set apart to God and it gives him glory. All right, that's awesome. Let's close this thing out. There are some things in Christianity that are difficult and we need to wrestle with because it's right. For example, selfishness is not okay. How easy is it to be unselfish? I don't, it's kind of a battle, to be honest with you. Why? Because we're all selfish on the inside. God's still rooting that stuff out of us, yeah? There are some things that we need to work on. There are some things we need to struggle through, but there's a whole bunch we don't. 
And I think throughout our lives, throughout our Christian experience, throughout our religious experience, we've had a lot of people put stuff on us that doesn't need to be there. Because they're actually more stricter than Jesus. They're saying stuff to us and they're adding weight onto our shoulders and they're putting burdens on our lives that we are never supposed to carry. How do we know that? Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If there's a huge weight upon you to perform for the Lord, something's wrong. Something's wrong with your Christianity because that's not what he built. Let's be very clear that we do not allow church subculture to put extra weight upon us that Jesus never placed on our shoulders. And a lot of us have had some religious stuff stuck to us that doesn't need to be stuck to us anymore. Can I have the prayer team come on up here? Here's the last thing that I'll say, and then I'm going to pray for us. Jesus called Satan the father of lies. Every day, we're getting lied to. And we have to make a decision by faith to hang on to what God says is true about us and not what the world says and what the enemy says. But boy, is that not a struggle? Let me give you an analogy. When I get done with a message, people comment on it. Pastor, that was a really good message. I'll probably get three to five compliments for whatever message I do. And they'll be like, Pastor, you know, and they'll say things that are pretty powerful. They'll say things like, you know what? Uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit was already talking to me about the same subject as I listen to a CD and a podcast in my car, and then I come into church and it's the exact same thing, so I know that the Holy Spirit is moving. That kind of stuff, I'm like, whoa, that's, that's pretty supernatural. And they'll say things like, when you were speaking, it felt like the Lord was speaking directly to me. And all these build my spirit, do they not? And inevitably, somebody says something like, Hey, about two-thirds of the way through your message, you totally misquoted that verse. That was not actually where the verse is from, and that's not really how it goes. When I go to bed at night, what am I going to think about? That, right? I blow off all the what? All the compliments and the spirit-building stuff, and I stick to the what? The self-damaging stuff. Why are we so easily willing to believe the worst about us? Why can't we let God be more influential than ignorant people? You understand what I mean? So here's what I'm going to do as we close out. And I do this periodically, so you're going to go, oh, you've already done that before. I know. And if if, if we got you blessed and you held on to it and didn't leak, I would never have to do it again. But human beings leak, do they not? Okay, so you may have got a blessing last time. Let's get another one. Here's what I want to pray for you about. I want to pray off all the lies. I want to pray off all the lies that have been said over you. This whole thing about one person whispered, well, you know, you're just stupid. And you held on to it as if it was legit. That's not true. Why? Because Jesus calls you something different. He calls you his masterpiece. That's what the Bible says. And it says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That means that he's in charge of starting it up in you, sustaining it, and finishing it off into glory. So in other words, he thinks that you're worth dying for. So whatever the world or whatever your own flesh has told you about yourself and all that self-hatred spin is garbage. We just need to get that stuff out of here, right? 
Let me just pray for you. If you need a little extra prayer washing, right? That's why this prayer team is here. We're going to pray that they are anointed to make sure to power wash you out before you leave, right? You're going, oh, there's a lie there, right? And just spray that thing out of there. So they'll be praying for you. So please come on up after I get done saying amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Holy Spirit, in this atmosphere where we believe you and we trust you, I'm asking that you would pull the leeches of lies off of our bodies. That God, that we have been walking around through the mud and a lot of that mud has stuck to us and we actually think that we're dirty people. But you have said that inside, when you died for our sin, you died once for all of it. Therefore, you nailed it to the cross and everything that stood against us, you did away with. Therefore, Father, we are not dirty people. You have called us saints. You have called us holy. You have called us perfect and righteous, not because of what we have done, but because of what you have done. That inside, there's no sin that can get in to the real us because that's the part you rescued. That's the part you saved. And yes, Lord, where you're still working on the outside of us, you're still trying to renew our minds and renew our hearts and change our actions and our body behavior. But Lord God, you have said that who we are because of you is pure lord you have said that you designed us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made you said that you knew that this generation needed someone just like us so you put us here you're the one that said you give us spiritual gifts so we are victorious you're the one that said that you give us authority and power to walk in a mighty way you're the one that said that we are valuable to you that we are affirmed by you that you give us your approval that we are your children that we can cry out abba father because you are our dad So everything that our flesh, the world, or the devil has said to us that is not in alignment with the truth, we reject in the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask, Lord, that you would just pressure wash all of us clean. Renew our minds today, Lord. Get us back into what is healthy and good. You said, Lord Jesus, that whatever is noble and pure and right and holy, these are the things we need to be focused on. So God, give us the strength and ability to say no to the garbage because it doesn't belong to your children. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend. See you next time.